Hello, this is Tushta Krishna Das, and you're listening to ISKCON Denver podcast, where you can hear all of our classes and kirtans. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna.
While our crack team finds the book, we'll Four three seventeen. Thank you, bro. You can keep the water. Okay. Om Agyana Timirandasya Gyanangjana Salakaya Chaksuna Militam Jena Tasmaya Shri Gurave Namaha Mukam karoti vachalam, angum langati grim, yat kripa tamaham vande, shikurundi ataranam, paramananda madam, shichaitani mishwaram. So we are reading back to the fourth canto. We jump to the tenth canto. And now we are back. Tenth canto is all Leela and Krishna and Krishna's associates and now back to bickering. This is again good old Daksha, goat head Daksha who takes a shot at Shiva again. It was a, it was a bad move from, from Daksha to be envious. I mean, if you have to be envious, and we are all envious to a certain degree, uh, choose someone who is not advanced. This is my, my advice to you. Just choose someone who is not as advanced as Shiva for sure, because you, you're going to pay serious uh, interest on your loan there. Um, uh, you never get over it. This is, this is the mad elephant offense. This is what is characterizes, you know, the the path of no return, hardly any. Because when you offend a Vaishnava, uh, you're actually gonna be, you think 90 degrees is hot, just wait a little bit. Uh, you're gonna be hot for a while. You're gonna be suffering. And this is not due to uh, an envious, uh, mischievous and cruel God that has it in for everybody. I, I remember being in the Smoky Mountains distributing books and this uh, certain Christian denominations had had it out for, for the world that you know everybody's going to hell so they were distributing these pamphlets and, and, and these pamphlets were quite offensive I found them quite offensive that they, they had depictions of God God, of course, was sitting on a throne with no face. He had a, just a circle around, like someone who is starting 
to draw, you know, learning how to draw. And, and he was just cursing people, you're going to hell. And there was a, a lake that was on fire and people were just thrown into the lake of fire forever. Forever. That, that's a long time. To, what happened? I will, I mean, I, I tried to ask a few questions, but I, I thought to give up rather quickly because philosophy wasn't in the program. The, what happened? What happens if you are born in the countryside in Cambodia and you never heard of Jesus and you, were, you, know, you die as a child? Do you go to hell? And they say, yeah, just confidently, yeah, you go to hell because you don't know Jesus. Even though you're in a completely different culture where Jesus is not kind of the, uh, the crutch, the religious crutch for people. And well, so I, I thought, what, what can I do with these people? How can I, how can I make them come to Krishna consciousness in one way. So I decided, and they wouldn't take books, they wouldn't take Prabhupada's book. And at the time, we, I talked to the, to the BBT warehouse and they had this boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes of used Bhagavatam and Chaitanya Charitamritas. I mean, loads of boxes and used, you know, this, this Chaitanya Charitamrita belongs to Brahmananda Das, Brahmachari, that kind of thing, like really old, beat up, underlined, bent, uh, earmarked copies. And so we distributed, I personally distributed probably a thousand Antialilas in the Smoky Mountains where people, you know, maybe between a family of six, maybe they have a full set of teeth if you put them all together. So it was quite amazing. And uh, I started collecting this, these brochures, these hideous brochures, you know, from First Baptist Church, Pentecostal Church, Snake Handling Church, whatever, wherever the churches were. And when people came and obviously they didn't, they weren't ready to, to take one of Prabhupada's books, I will say, you're a Christian. Yeah, what denomination? So they will tell me. Then I will go into my bag and look Okay, I have one of those, you know, Pentecostal of the seventh day, you know, from Kentucky. Here you go. So, I said, oh, that's my church. Yes, sir, it is. And, it's, and we are proud to be distributing these things, so please give a donation. So they will give a donation. And I said, you know, they give us a lot of free books. Do you mind taking one? So, there you go. It goes, it goes to Charitamrita, back, back to Kentucky, to, to, to the snake handling first Pentecostal church of, you know, back boondocks. So that's how I, you know, the Buddhist thought it was a little unorthodox. And I, you know, but I don't think I was punished for, for doing that. Um, even go to a point that there was a guy that came and tried to give him a Bhagavad Gita. I was next to Kastuva at the time. He used to come also to the Smokies in the summers. And I was there for a month in the summer, a month in the fall. And, and I 
gave him a Gita and he said, I ain't much of a reader. I said, it's okay. You don't have to be a reader. You just have to want to improve in your life. And even if you, when you take it home, and I was going to say you, you put it on your bookshelf, but then I realized probably doesn't have a bookshelf. So if you, you put it right on top of the television. And when your friends come, they're going to be, whoa, this guy's up to something. Jeez, you know, he got educated on us. So um, it will be quite an impression on your friends. So um, he said, well, I don't know. Let, let me look at it for a little while. I said, sure, go ahead. So he started, he knew how to read because I could see him moving his lips as he was reading the book. Um, and I was selling books to other people. And then he came back after about five or ten minutes and he actually reviewed the Gita. And he said, uh, excuse me, yes sir, is this the King James Version? I said, sure it is, sir. Sure, yeah, of course it is. And uh, so he bought it. I, again, this is, I didn't initiate this conversation, so I, I just closed it. <laughs> so there it is, the King James Version of the Bhagavad Gita is still somewhere there. All right, verses here. Starts with Karno. Yeah, that's the one. Karna pidaya nirayat yata kalpa ishe. Dharma vitari ashini bir nibir asyamane. Chindyat prasahya rushatim asatim prabhus Jivamasuna pitato visrijet sadharma. Uh, we're gonna go just directly into the word by word translation and purport by Shila Prabhupada. Karno, both ears, pidaya, blocking, nirayat, one should go away, yat, if, akalpa, unable, ishe, the master, dharma avitari, the controller of religion, ashrini be, by irresponsible, Nribi persons, Asyamane being blasphemed, Chindiat, he should cut, Prasaya, by force, Rusatim, vilifying, as a team of the blasphemer, Prabhu, one is able, Chet, if, Jivam, Tong, Asun, his own life, Api, certainly, Tata, then, Visrijet, should give up, Sa, that, Dharma, is the process. Translation. No, this is not the verse. It's it's chapter 3, not chapter 4. Chapter yeah. Yes. Anyway. Huh? Let's go back to... Yeah. See, this is for 417. So read the verse that you heard last one. I kind of didn't. But... Yeah, 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 we'll do that. Okay, so here is the, here's the right verse. 
first three seventeen, yeah. Vidyata Povita Vapurvaya Kulai Satam Gunai Shadpir Asametarai Smito Hayatam Brita Mana Dudrisha Stabda Napashantihi Dhamabuyasam. Although the six qualities, education, austerity, wealth, beauty, youth, and heritage are for the highly elevated, one who is proud of possessing them becomes blind, and thus he loses his good sense and cannot appreciate the glories of great personalities. Purport. It may be argued that since Daksha was very learned, wealthy, and austere, and had descended from a very exalted heritage, how could he be unnecessarily angry toward another? The answer is that when the qualities of good education, good parentage, beauty, and sufficient wealth are misplaced in a person who is puffed up by all these possessions, they produce a very bad result. Milk is a very nice food, but when milk is touched by an envious serpent, it becomes poisonous. Similarly, material assets such as education, wealth, beauty, and good parentage are undoubtedly nice, but when they decorate persons of a malicious nature, then they act adversely. Another example given by Chanyaka Pandit is that a serpent that has a jewel on its head is still fearful because it is a serpent. A serpent by nature is envious of other living entities, even though they be faultless. When a serpent bites another creature, it is not necessarily because the other creature is at fault. It is the habit of a serpent to bite innocent creatures. Similarly, although Daksha was qualified by many material assets because he was proud of his possessions and because he was envious, all those qualities were polluted. It is sometimes therefore detrimental for a person advancing in spiritual consciousness or Krishna consciousness to possess such material assets. Kunti Devi, while offering prayers to Krishna, addressed him as a Kinchana Gochara, one who is easily approached by those who are bereft of all material acquisitions. Material exhaustion is an advantage for advancement in Krishna consciousness, although if one is conscious of his eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can utilize one's material assets, such as great learning and beauty and exalted ancestry for the service of the Lord then such assets become glorious. In other words, unless one is Krishna conscious, all his material possessions are zero. But when this zero is by the side of the Supreme One, it at once increases it in value to ten. Unless situated by the side of the Supreme One, zero is always zero. One may add one hundred zeros, but the value will still remain zero. Unless one's material assets are used in Krishna consciousness, they may play havoc and degrade the possessor. By the way, zero was actually is a, one of Indian, Indian contributions to mathematics. So here is, um, these are the characteristics of someone with good karma. If you see someone that is beautiful, intelligent, come from a good family and is educated, it can be understand can be understood that this person has good karma that has performed some pious activities. This is a result of piety. Is this material? But it is a good start because you don't have to struggle for 
you know, I would like to learn this or I would like to make money in order to buy that or to go somewhere. These things are automatically there. Or I, I need, uh, I'm ugly, I will never get the right man or the right woman. So these assets, so-called assets, they become, they only become valuable in contact with Krishna because otherwise they're just zeros and you can have unlimited amount of zeros. I have this, I have that, yeah. But if you if don't have Krishna, you don't have anything. You have just a bunch of zeros. They have no value whatsoever. So in this um, context, Daksha is the one who's been pointed out as the one possessing so many assets. He was very wealthy, very you know, good-looking, and with a good family and with good education he knew you know he was doing this this sacrifice where you have to chant the proper mantras and you know get great wealth to acquire all the objects that are utilized in the sacrifice yet he chose to chose the wrong way to go about it because he was very envious of Lord Shiva. And again, envy in the sense of malice, just like Prabhupada used that word, that the, the cause of our being in the material world is because of envy, and envy in the sense of malice, meaning you not only want what someone else is, it has, because that's, that's just being jealous of someone else's possession or attribute, but you actually don't want the other person to have it. And this is malice. You just want. So, well, Lord Shiva is, is an extreme example as he was always absorbed in thoughts of a supreme person, Sankarshan in this case, and he may not have seen Daksha coming in. He may have been distracted by his absorption in Supreme Lord and didn't get up when everybody got up. But this is you will you will hear later in the in the same chapter that the the meaning of obeisances and respect and, uh, and pranams and so on, you're actually recognizing the super soul within someone's body. You're not offering your obeisances, Chai Prabhu, please accept my humble obeisances. It's not like you, you know, if Bhakta Joe is acknowledging Bhakta Kevin's uh, improvement, you know, that finally he passed the first chapter of the Gita. It is actually that you see that the super soul is situated within this body. And the more one makes spiritual advancement, the more the that residence that super soul has taken within the, the heart of that person is visible. You can see, oh, okay, this person is actually uh, being, uh, making advancement to the point that he's tr understanding his or her own nature due to the presence of the super soul. Because Prabhupada said the soul and the super soul, and he made a gesture like this, like this, like next to each other, like the two fingers. And there is, there should be communication between the two, but there is some interference 
and this interference we know all about as madness and illusion and pride and envy and you know, all this anger and lust, etc., greed. This is this interference. So it's like uh, I grew up in a at a time. I grew up in the fifties, so we we had a, a radio and you know we'll put this the soccer World Cup and it was played and or, or a boxing match that was taking place in Japan or you know somewhere in Europe and and the radio was making all these noises. You know. Mother Nidra may you know she's young but she may remember this kind of thing. And you try to synchronize into a particular frequency and and you hear someone speaking and then all sorts of noises came through. So this is this is more or less the device that we have right now uh, to communicate with the super soul. We hear a few words here and there and mostly we hear a lot of noise, a lot of static, a lot of interference. So as a person advances, the interference is clear, you know, it becomes high-tech and hi-fi and, and you start hearing and you get dictation directly from a super soul. Because Krishna is, uh, what, what job does he have? Why does he hang out in the, in the heart of every living entity if it is not to guide, to accompany, to protect, to uh, enthuse the, the carrier? It's, that's what he's there for. He's just waiting for you to just get rid of the interference. Just get rid of all these bad qualities so you can hear. And fortunately, because Krishna is smarter than we are, which is not, not extraordinary to, to figure it out, his advice is better than whatever plans we have, whatever conclusions we arrive to. Because he has the right ideas. He's actually always thinking of how to bring us back, to back home. We're all lost in space. We're just in some distant planet, in some city built by men, you know, with the intention of gratifying their senses. You know, that's, that's why Denver was made. It wasn't for, for, for the glory of God and the benefit of humankind. I'm sorry to say for those who are natives and you know, fans of Denver. Any other place is the same. Everything was created for sense gratification and exploitation. And this is, that's what the material world is. And we are in some corner far, far away. We are way south of, a, of our real home. And there is no GPS except Super Soul. Well, there is Shastra, and there is Guru, there is Sadhu. But we have a built-in GPS. Yeah, Super Soul. Who could be such a friend? Come on, seriously. Uh, let's say you get some, I mean, God forbid, knock on wood, and this, hopefully this is wood. Uh, you get into a serious accident where you are actually uh, 
invalid for a while. You're in the hospital, you know, you can't move. And of course, your family will visit you, your friends will visit you, and everybody will send you cars and balloons and chocolate and all that stuff. But what if, what if the rehab is taking a little long? So you're there for a year, two years, five years, who's gonna show up? Yeah, first two weeks, everybody shows up. Uh, after a year, uh, your family, then uh, you can see in their face that they're really not thrilled to come that often, so you, you give them permission, yeah, you don't have to, no, don't bother, you know, I'm fine. Just don't, you don't have to come every week or every two weeks or every six months. So, eventually, uh, hardly anybody shows up, you know, they may text you, smiley face, <laughs> how you doing, what's up, and that's it, that's all you get, one text every so often, you know, and when you text back, that's it, they don't even text back to you, they just, but here we have the case of a super soul who never goes away, is always with you. It will accompany you, even in the most degraded situations with the most abominable bodies that you may take, it will go with you. It will share that the, the horrible experiences that, that you may be having until you wake up and say, oh, I'm so sorry, I missed the, you know, I, I completely missed the message and I should just make amends and wake up and start practicing spiritual life very seriously and uh, take advice from you instead of taking it from my mind and my senses. And, and you can tell there is a voice waiting for us to tune in, listen without interference, the voice of a super soul. It'll, it'll be a great, you know, a great radio station to change to because our radio station is just the mind. Yeah, just, you know, that's all you hear all day long, you know, day after day. And then the next day you wake up and exactly, that's what you hear first thing in the morning. You, 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 this, 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 do that, go get me this. So it would be a great change to, to get the nectar of Krishna's sweet voice to tell us, okay, now do this, now go there and meet with them, say this. But Krishna always, always gives you the choice because he won't, he won't give you the full script. You have to make it up uh, according to your own individual taste. Okay, so back to, back to Godhead. Daksha is, is about to get uh, a little cosmetic surgery uh, in the next, in a, in a few verses, uh, where he gets a, his get comes off, his head comes off. It, it, it was worthless anyway. He couldn't think his way of a, out of a paper bag. So Krishna benefits him by getting his head cut off. And Lord Shiva, who was not offended, he was it was a little disturbed, you know, let's, let's be fair here. He was, 
not happy and particularly because this involved his wife and his wife was innocent in one sense um, not completely innocent but innocent in the sense of she was naive thinking that uh, it's my family they will never do this to us how could my family how could my father reject me even said that you can go to your spiritual master your brother your father your best friend's house without an invitation but and so he, she thought I'll go to the to the Jagya. I mean, I'm I'm the pet daughter. How could how could anything go wrong? But Lord Shiva, no, no, that's the bad idea, because you may be the pet daughter, but you're also my wife. So he will see you as related to me, and therefore you will be humiliated, and you won't be able to take that. That is. That's a terrible thing to do. Anyway, I, I won't spoil it for you if you haven't read the Bhagavatam yet. Um, but news are coming. <laughs> Things are not going to stay the same. Just like in the material world. All right. Let's open up for questions, comments, reflections. Or if someone is waking up, well, welcome to Bhagavatam class. I was really liking this part in the purport where Prabhupada says material exhaustion is an advantage for advancement in Krishna consciousness. Although if one is conscious of his eternal relationship with the Supreme Personality of Godhead, one can utilize one's material assets, such as great learning and beauty and exalted ancestry, for the service of the Lord. Then such assets become glorious. Um, I wonder if you could describe a little bit where... Um, you know, become materially exhausted and you're just like, you're over it, over material life. Um, and then, or you can utilize material assets that you have in Krishna service. So some, it, it could seem to some people that it's an opposite, they're opposite kind of experiences. So I wonder if you could speak more about like either the, the process of, you know, if, if there's a relationship between material exhaustion and using our material assets, because I'm just thinking of, just as a musician, and then you know I know some other devotees, devotee artists, that they come to Krishna consciousness, and it's like, okay, I give up all of my instruments, I give up all of my things, um, to practice devotional service. So I'm just wondering about like the relationship between the two. Our process is Jukta Bhairagya, so. Whatever you brought with you, um, you can use uh, most of it, uh, for sure. Uh, sometimes, the someone who has assets like beauty and wealth and education and aristocracy, um, they need to get. I would say is a is a um, is a is an excellent thing to have. 
but they have to go through material exhaustion first, and then they can use the assets. Um, also, it's important, nobody listens to a fool speak, nobody likes to look at a face of an ugly person, you know, people like to eat well and be in nice places and be in a safe environment and a good house, etc., etc. So all these, all these assets like wealth and beauty and education and so on are, are very good for spreading Krishna consciousness, let's say. Uh, of course, Prabhupada could have, Prabhupada was a Paramahamsa and obviously not from this planet and he could have just established himself in the little hut that was built for him in Mayapur. But who, who will go listen to, uh, you know, if he built a hut here in, in Denver, who will go to listen to even Prabhupada? So he actually had to use some of these material assets in order to attract people. So it is, it is important, it's good. Um, First of all, you, you can tell that a person has good karma when they have these attributes. So it's a good thing that they're already gone through the um, hankering, the just struggle for material existence. You know, if I make it, if I get money, if I, if I you know, it's, this is all, I'm being there, done that, that's not where happiness is, you know. So it's good to get to a point where you, you can actually Relax. Let's say, okay, this wasn't it. So let me let me pursue spiritual life without any impediments. And I think, uh, as far as music, um, musical talent and skills, they can be they can be used. They should be used because it's a it's a powerful media um, medium. Music is the king of education, goes from the ear to the heart, doesn't have to be analyzed, people like it, don't like it, just touches them. So it can be, if utilized correctly, can attract a lot of people to Krishna consciousness. However, the musicians in Krishna consciousness have to undergo the process of uh, purification and exhaustion in order to not be totally dependent and attached to their music as and whatever music brings wealth fame etc you know beautiful women followers etc etc so when you are on that level then you can produce fantastic music like George Harrison as an example he wanted to join. He wanted to be an ordinary bhakta, and Prabhupada didn't let him. No, no, I have plans for you. Krishna has different plans for you. You just continue doing what you do and do it for the sake of Krishna. So there is what appears to be karma yoga, you know, as or karma mishra. It's not exactly bhakti yoga because it's mixed material desires, but some people that's that's what's best for them obviously george harrison did a lot more preaching than most of us you know just creating songs and glorification of krishna so yeah material assets it depends on the individual that they need to be used because otherwise they will degrade you you can't ignore them
you have musical talent, you will have to express it one way or another. So either you express it with mundane songs, or you express it with transcendental songs. And, but again, the, the, there has to be a parallel life where your spiritual life is strong, so you, you, you're not drowned by your own material assets. Is that okay? Yeah, whoa. Kirtan was too long. <laughs> no, I was. I really like how you sort of illustrated this point of super soul being present, just like that whole illustration of a person in a situation, or you know, goes on and on, and people are kind of like, eh, you know, we'll see you later. But um, I, it just, it really touched me because I, I think that. Um, on energy, sort of on a deeper level, there is that sense of loneliness for people in general. That even they're interacting with people, they still feel lonely, even though they have family. There's still that sense of loneliness because of the need to really feel that someone is also experiencing the experience that one is having, and it's it's it's. A, it's there because we do have someone experiencing it with us, that super soul. And that, that just because of the lack of knowledge and understanding and connection with super soul, there's this absence, this loneliness that where is that person who's supposed to be experiencing this with me? And that, the loneliness that comes from it. Um, and so I, and I can see that when we, are, when we have deeper, more substantial exchanges in Krishna consciousness genuinely, then that that association helps us become in contact with Super Soul so we're not lonely. But otherwise, we can be doing so many things with so many different people, but we'll still feel lonely. One thing I thought about is that uh, we are actually the second experiencer. Because super soul is experiencing first, and that's what we ex are able to experience. So if you if you consider that, uh, you're never alone. Not ever. You may feel lonely, but you're not alone. You may feel lonely, surrounded by people, because because of your consciousness is shrinking. But you're never alone, and super soul is um, can guide you through every. You see, there is, there is some, even devotees, I mean, we are not exempted, that, that have mental illnesses. And they are they're feeling um, lost and betrayed and lonely and bored and, you know, all these feelings that you're not supposed to have. But it's, it's some, some karma. They have to get through the process of purification. Like, if you have a boil, it's like, oh, I'm a devotee, so the boil should go away today. You know, it's not going to go away. You have, to, you have to wait until, you can't lancet immediately. You have to wait until it grows, and there's a lot of pain involved. I know, I had them. 
These are, these are devotee. They, they, that's a proof that I'm a devotee, I guess, that I have boils. Because they say that <laughs> devotees get boiled. So that's the only proof that I, I, I'm a devotee. And, and they're very painful. They're horribly painful. And, uh, and then eventually they, they come to a head and then they lance them, you know, they puncture them and they, they leave a hole in it. And but the pain is gone. So this pain that we are desperately trying to avoid, that the pain of loneliness, is actually the purifying agent. It's the poison that is trying to come to a head. And you have to give it time. You can't just um, try to suppress it, oppress it, repress it, eliminate it. You have to just let it boil. Um, as I heard Ridayananda Maharaj give an example about uh, those years ago. He said, if you are feeling some severe existential trauma, severe existential pain, the, the kind that makes you, you know, you know, cry all night. This is actually Krishna. Krishna is, has, is holding a flamethrower and he's burning your next body. So you're going to, because you're so attached and you are actually an architect of your destiny, you're actually creating by your thoughts, by your actions, by your words, you're creating your next body. And Krishna is, out of his mercy, burning it to ashes. And it hurts. Of course it hurts. Because it's your own creation. You see your house, you know, burning, going up in flames. And you suffer. But this suffering is just temporary and it's great because then you won't have to take another birth. So all these, all these things that we are desperately trying to avoid, like boredom and... Uh, loneliness and sadness and depression and things like that, they may be um, cathartic, they may be purifying and, and we just have to count with the help of friends and professionals as well and medication and whatever it takes but not to suppress them, just to keep them in check so we can actually go through this process of purification. It's like going to the army. You don't go to the army and, you know, when they tell you to go, you know, you know you're out with not sufficient clothes and you have to be all night and you don't have anything to eat and you don't have any shelter and it's raining and it's cold and this and that. They don't tell you, oh, poor little thing, come over here. We will put you in a, in a nice room with a heater and a hot shower and, you know, give you a hot meal. No. No, because then what kind of soldier are you going to become? You're going to be a wimp. So, do you want to be a spiritual wimp? Then avoid all the pain, avoid the loneliness and the depression and the sense, you know, just engage fully in sense gratification. And then you will become a wimp. And as, a, as an individual, as a devotee, as anything. So you have to become strong. Just like Bhagavatam class, you know, you say, well, why do I have to go every day to Bhagavatam class? I already know that, you know, I read the Bhagavatam. Uh, yeah, so what? What do you know? 
This is, this is the process of purification. You have to regularly attend Bhagavatam and you have to hear. Because uh, I've seen it. Those who are not strong with the philosophy and the sadhana, they're, they're not going to stick around. They're just, you're going to see them, you know, on Janmashtami. You know, and that, that's about it. That's about it. So let's, let's embrace the pain, not in a masochistic way. Let's, let's embrace it in a, in a way that is therapeutic. Let things come to us. Whatever is coming to us is destined to come anyway. And if you avoid it, all you do is postponing the event. Right now, whenever you're, uh, you hit your lowest, that is the perfect moment for you to deal with it. Krishna is bringing it at the right time. And if you avoid it, then Krishna will be forced to reschedule it. It's not like, you know, you got rid of it. No, Krishna will reschedule it. And at that time that it's going to be rescheduled, you may not be ready for it. You may not be ready. You probably won't be as uh, well prepared. So let, let it happen now. Sorry, I went on too long. Thanks, Rua. That was really insightful. Um, some really insightful points. Um, in the beginning, of, just on what you were mentioning in the beginning of the class about um, Daksha's envy towards Shiva, better you know, you said it better not to be envious of of uh, someone who's advanced. So one time, Giraj Maharaj asked Prabhupada. Um, about envy, and Shula Prabhupada said, envy means not liking someone. He said, so if, you, if you're going to not like someone, you should not like the non-devotees. You shouldn't not like the devotees. Um, and I had a question, but maybe I can ask later. Thanks, Prabhu. I think this is a very interesting point about that Prabhupada brought up, and you, you also discussed that um, one's material, it may be beneficial to be materially exhausted. I remember I first time, the first time I read the purport to Janmaishvarya Shruta Shribar, that Kunti Maharani's prayer, that one who is not intoxicated, who is a kinshin, who doesn't really consider they have anything materially, can call out to you. And Prabhupada in the purport says flat out, that it's better, for, it's better for people generally to not have material assets. And I thought, that can't be right. Why would, why would, God, be, why would God want to do that to his... his yeah. It's cutting in and out. I, I was thinking, yeah, when I first read that, why would God want to put people through that? But then when I saw more of the world, um, I started to realize that that's, that's because of our nature, not because of his nature. Especially with the age we are in now, people don't connect their own wealth and, and beauty and health to, oh, praise be to God. Most of them don't do that anymore. Now, if you want to come and knock on somebody's door who's upper middle class, you're going to get an attitude and you're going to get a big burly dog. And if you want to distribute books, better to go to a lower middle class neighborhood. That's my consistent experience and the experience of book distributors around the world that persons generally who don't have as much materially 
are a little more open to the experience. Whereas the persons who think that they have a lot to lose, don't, they want you to get off their lawn. They have a big fence. So that's our nature. And in response to that, Krishna actually mercifully reduces their, their burden, their burden of their own conception of self. So they become a little bit simpler. And, and so this life or the next. And I was thinking how um, that's a really bitter pill to swallow, you know. But if we actually understand that, that tendency that we have ourselves, then we'll be very eager to use whatever we have right now and not go down that path. Because all those people you see who are very humbled by their circumstances probably had something and became intoxicated by it and misused it. Because frankly, from what I can see, almost everybody in the world who has something misuses it these days because they're not taught how to use it. You know, if you're, if you're attractive, you use it as a lever for economic gain. If you're wealthy, you use it as a lever for your sense gratification. It's just nonsense. No one really is taught how to use these things. So they actually, in this age, end up degrading more often than not without an education, without a spiritual education, even a beginning of a spiritual education. So as soon as someone realizes, wow, okay, no, this is actually how the universe works. I have a responsibility, like you said, I have a responsibility. If I am inclined to make music, I have to do that for Krishna. It's a burden on me otherwise. Like, I'm going to be driven against my will to make music. I'll be finding me in an alley somewhere, you know, putting out a guitar solo for a Pearl Jam record or something. Like, it's not going to be good. I mean, nothing against Pearl Jam, but it's, it's no kirtan. So, yeah, just appreciating your point, just from what I've seen of the world and, and being a book distributor, that it's true. It's, it's a little bit awkward to accept it and not very palatable, but this is our disease. how you were talking about the mind going blah 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 um, and how we are either constantly hearing from our mind or we're hearing from super soul so I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit more on what we can do practically daily to actually hear super soul's voice I can't give you a technique, but uh, I will tell you that the mind cannot be curbed by force. Um, the mind is very strong and is accustomed to uh, luxury, that we, we spoil our mind by listening to it for lifetimes. So it's not gonna, it's not gonna yield to to whatever fancy spiritual life you got into, and and you wanted to shut up. But you can treat the mind with um, firmness, but without being uh, nasty, like shut up. You know, the mind won't won't listen to that. Like for example, let's say you're you're chanting your rounds. That's a perfect, I don't know about you guys, you're probably all pure devotees and you, you, know, you see Krishna when you chant your rounds, but in my case, when I chant my rounds, my mind comes in and said, how about this? 
you forgot about that and check this out and there is an email you have to and, and uh, there is a text and what about this and what about breakfast and yeah etc etc so of course that doesn't happen to you guys so how do you deal with that it, it can just just boom, just shake it off because it won't happen the mind won't have it so there is a there's a way that you can deal with it. They say, you know, that's a great idea to make gulab jamuns during japa time. But it's a fantastic idea. But I think we're going to postpone it. We're going to do it later after japa is done. But, but just make sure to remind me later. Yeah, but now we're going to chant. So when you approach the mind in that way, uh, it's going to be... Kicking and screaming, like just just like a kid, you know, he tried to convince the kid, no, that's not a good, yeah, jumping from a, a, a skyscraper with an umbrella is n not such a good idea, you know, yeah, it sounds like very exciting adventure, yeah, sure, but it's not a good idea, so the mind is always proposing stuff like that, you know, let's, let's jump out of the 40th floor with an umbrella and see what happens you know Mary Poppins did it so you know why not us but it's it's not a good idea so you have to be gentle but firm say yeah is is a great idea you know just just remind me later to get the umbrella and you know do the stuff but right now we got to concentrate it is i have to finish i can't do it just like, you know, the perfect example, the most exalted example was Haridas Thakur. When, when the Zamin, local Zamindar sent a prostitute to distract him from his chanting, he didn't, he didn't deal with her like, you know, one of our brahmacharis would have, go away, you, you know, infidel. Just, <laughs> he said, you know, it's a great idea, you're very attractive, and I am totally into it, but I have to finish my rounds first. So, you know, he kept chanting and chanting, and eventually she got purified. So that's what happens, you know, it's a gradual process, and when you treat the mind in a nice way, in a gentle way, but very firmly, that you're not gonna bend this, this, you know, you know I would love to, but you know, I'd love to go play, you know, uh, you know, what do you call? I would love to go to the park and play tennis with you, but uh, I have to cook for the deities. <laughs> so let me let me make the offering first, and then we we'll, we can talk about it. So, but the mind is the mind is, and we have plenty of opportunity. But the mind is bringing new ideas every day, every. Every moment that the mind is idle will bring new ideas to you that are completely far-fetched and irrelevant. So you will have plenty of, plenty of chances to practice this, this technique. Like, yeah, that sounds good. But I have to have this couple of things to do for Krishna first. And let's see how things go afterwards. So... You know, you deal in your own time with your own voice, and that way, the mind eventually will slow down and get used to the idea that you know it's just like 
like a kid. If a mother tells the kid enough times, yeah, that's a good idea, but you know, right now we can't we can do that. You know, uh, like go to the supermarket and try to you know, take a kid that is untrained into the supermarket and he just wants to grab everything that is colorful and sweet out of the shelves and put it in the cart. And the mother has to train him up. You know, no, that's, that's not good for you, or we don't have money for that, or you know, that's, that's not for us, or has the wrong ingredients. You know, you just constantly train. You can't just bark at the kid and consider it done. So you can't bark at your mind and consider it done. It won't happen. The mind will come back and insist and insist. But with patience and determination and enthusiasm, just like, like what uh, Rupa Goswami recommends in Dupa the Samrita. If you do that, if you treat the mind with respect but distance and firmness and don't become discouraged, then the mind will cooperate. Because the mind is also your best friend. It may be your worst enemy right now, but it's also your best friend. You can make your mind work for you. And not, you know, quit, but you can't quit your job until you have a new job, right? So you've been working for the mind for a long time. That's your job. So that will be your job for a while. And then you will, eventually you will have enough assets to make your mind work for you. But don't quit your job yet. Because it's, you know, hasn't happened. Um, and sometimes you get a glimpse of mercy. Rare, but you get a glimpse of mercy. I remember I was in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. I didn't join there. I was born there. But, you know, but I was, I spent a couple of months. Um, I was at the temple. And it was uh, hard times. The devotees were underground. The the police and the army were, you know, took over the country and, and it was persecution and abuse and, you know, upheaval and financial crisis and everything else. And we, we couldn't preach, we couldn't, you know, couldn't wear tilak, you know, couldn't do kirtan, had to be very quiet, had to be in a padded room, totally uh, insulated. So I asked Krishna for a gift you know, for a little relief from that oppressive situation. I said, okay, today is my birthday. It was. And I would love to remember Radha Raman's lotus feet all day, if possible, if it's not too much to ask. And it happened. It clicked. And I, no matter what I did, I was completely conscious of Radha Raman's lotus feet, I could see him in, the, uh, in my mind's eye all day, you know, for, for many hours. So it is possible, you know, you may, you may get a little mercy like that, you know, a few drops. But eventually your mind will cooperate and you actually will see Krishna. You will see Super Soul, you will see the deities as Krishna himself, you know, himself. Because Krishna is there. It's just that we can't understand it right now. We can't see it because of we have so many other things going on. But eventually you will get to that point. So don't, don't be discouraged. You always have to keep this optimistic viewpoint that it will happen in its own time, whenever Krishna wants. So that's, that's what patience is. 
is to wait for the time for when the time is right, not try to anticipate it. You know, I want it now. That's what patience is to, you know, wait for Krishna's timing. I went on for too long, so we're going to stop here. I apologize to all of you, and uh, because I didn't ask for blessings from the Vaishnavas to speak something before, I, I'm asking now. So please forgive me and give me your blessings so I can say something coherent after the class is over. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Hare Krishna. Glory to Srila Prabhupada.